Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We are back with the third part of our Knicks Development Goals episode. We, of course, are returning our two fantastic guests. We have Benji Ritholtz, who you might know from the Strickland and Knicks Film School, and Prez, who you might know from the Strickland. Uh, two guys that have a lot of great basketball insights, Gavin, and we have some really interesting and diverse topics to get into in this final episode. Yeah, Alex, we talk about Cam Reddish potentially improving his finishing at the rim, and then some shooting jumps for Obi Toppin, R.J. Barrett, and for the team as a whole at the free throw line. That's crucial. All that and more next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day, whether it's on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube, where we are now. If you want to see our smiling faces every day, you can check us out on there. We appreciate you guys for making us part of your daily routine and and uh, always starting your day off with some Locked On Knicks in your cup. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we are joined once again, as we said in the intro, by our two esteemed guests today. We have Benji Ritholtz, who you might know as at Ben Ritholtz MBA on Twitter. He uh, writes for The Strickland and does some great film threads for Nick's Film School on Twitter. Also joined by Prez, who is uh, a writer for The Strickland, mostly draft-focused, but also co-hosts Pod Strickland on Fridays. Uh, another really knowledgeable dude, especially about development of players. And we are getting into the diverse topics that we already got into in the intro. So I won't hold this up any longer. Let's continue our discussion on the Knicks development going forward. Well, speaking of uh, maybe boring regular skills, Prez, I think you're, <laughs> you're due for another one here. So your, your next two, I mean, you can feel free to lump them together. Uh, we've sort of touched on on two of the guys. One has come up uh, consistently, so maybe you don't even feel the need to fully dive into it. But uh, if you want to just give your last two, because they're both shooting-related, uh, your, your last two skills to work on here. Well, my I, I only have one more. I think I did my... Yeah, yeah, you got you got Julius. Yeah. Oh, did you introduce yeah. it as yeah, Julius? Yeah. yeah, I thought that just sort of came up in the conversation. I didn't know if we formally introduced it. My bad. But yeah, do oh, your last one. <laughs> the Julius thing, like it, it's pretty straightforward. Like I, I had a rant, but you don't even need more than one sentence for Julius shooting and why it's important. My other one was RJ shooting. Um, he's getting better. It, you know, it, it it comes and it goes. He had a second there where he was hitting a pretty solid. I think as soon as I tweeted out that like over ten games he had shot thirty four percent on pull-up threes and 38% on catch and shoot, he immediately just tanked. Like, as soon as I tweeted that, the next couple games, he's just shooting, just tanked. But um, I'm not too worried about 
uh, the numbers. I, I I like that he's getting comfortable just taking shots. Um, even mid-range twos, his percentage still sucks on them, but uh, I'm happy he's shooting them. And it's the sort of thing that I also think will improve with better spacing and other threats. Um, his usage and his shot selection is pretty tough right now, but um, he, he just needs to be able to hit pull-ups at a passable rate. He doesn't need to be amazing at them. Like Benji always tweets, he needs to be able to take one dribble and shoot if they go under a screen from three. And if you look around the league at pull-up three-point shooting numbers, sure, the best guys you know, take a lot of them and shoot mid-30s, 40%, whatever, on pull-ups. But really, as long as you're shooting around 32 33%, that's enough to keep defenses honest on pull-up threes. It has to be higher on catch-and-shoot, but for pull-ups, that's about the number. And then for pull-up twos, I mean, that's a tough one because he's really not good at those. But um, just it's still important to to try. You know, you, you're going to have times where you just need to do that shot or a floater. So that's an experiment that you kind of just have to let it run its course and, and just see how it turns out, right? He's only 21. So, um, yo, kid needs to – step one is shooting. And step two is making. So he's doing step one. And then hopefully he can do step two next year. <laughs> he's definitely getting him up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I look, I, I, I threw out the Jimmy Butler analogy um, earlier in the episode. And that's obviously like the, the comp for him a lot of times for better or worse. And he's already like, I think right now, a better three-point shooter than Jimmy Butler is. And I've, I've loved the way he's um, developed in terms of his ability to like relocate off of Julius's drives. I feel like that's become a lot more intuitive for him this year. Year and, and at times he's gotten, I think, gotten to a really good rhythm is when the first few are catch and shoot, and then he starts getting into like his bag a little bit and going off the dribble a bit more. Um, I think in terms of his ability to get to mid range jumpers, I think his craft, like in terms of like, this, was something we talked about even more last year with him, but in terms of snaking the pick and roll and like getting to that spot, I think he's good at it. I mean, to Prez's point, it's just about the shot going in. But Benji, do you think that has to be? a part of his game for him to be an all-star like obviously like he can't he can't be a terrible shooter for mid-range and he can't be a terrible three-point shooter but if he's just sort of average in those capacities like do you do you think the ceiling's still pretty high there if you want him to be like all-star like semi-primary rj barrett that we've kind of seen flashes of here i think he has to become a decent pull-up shooter yeah yeah because it's really really hard I mean, you saw it against Memphis more. I think it was the most extreme coverage I've seen on him against Memphis. They literally went under every single pistol action. And he was he took maybe a couple, he missed him, and then he was like, all right, I'm just going to put my head down and get to the rim anyway. And that's what leads to a whole lot of block shots and some black hole situation and uh, the stuff that – the bad RJ that you don't want to see. Um, and if, so if he's going to handle the ball a lot, then, yeah, he's going to have to, unless he becomes like – you know, like Jimmy, Jimmy Butler's like the one guy who's kind of survived not really being much of a shooter. And he does it through like a crazy combination of like post-ups and he becomes like a four, he plays like a four more than he plays like a wing where he's running dribble handoffs, he's screening, he's rolling, he's, he's, he scores in kind of a very unique way that I wouldn't, it's kind of years of craft and figuring out his game and having a team kind of built around him that allows him to do that. Um but if RJ is going to handle the ball and have this high a usage, I, yes, I think he's going to have to become a passable 
pull-up shooter. It's really important step. If he's going to be more of like, if eventually he transitions into like more of a third, fourth option somewhere, and he's more of like a three and D type, and I could see his career going both ways. You know, it kind of depends on how he develops and whether these shots go in. Because at some point, some team's going to be like, well, if you're not making any of them, then you're going to have to stop, stop taking them. We're going to take some usage away. Um, and it could go either way, and he could have a good career either way. But what the Knicks are kind of envisioning and, and hoping for, and, you know, we'll see how much money they give him, but assuming it's going to be a whole lot, you're hoping that he does develop that skill so that he can justify all the usage that they're currently giving. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's that's uh, totally, you know, uh, I think the shooting for him is going to be, you know, the swing factor of if he can become, like you said, the the star that we want him to become, or if he just becomes a, you know, a high-functioning role player, glue guy, like not, like lesser Chris Middleton sort of, I don't know. Like, I don't know what, you know, you would call the, the player that RJ could potentially become, you know, without developing better, almost into like Wiggins territory, maybe, you know, yeah. I don't know, like, like a, a solid complimentary player that probably shouldn't be an all-star starter. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah. I was going to say all-star starter to you, Alex. Yeah. yeah that probably shouldn't be an all-star starter, but might be if the right K-pop star latches onto him. Yeah. Um, that's all he needs. That's, that's the big key that he's shooting. Even Barrett Wiggins just... started knocking that thing down though. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, RJ's just got to get really big in the K-pop community. He's got many, uh, <laughs> many all-star starter appearances in his, in his future. But um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's definitely going to be a, a big skill for him. All right, guys, we're going to come back and we're going to uh, talk team-wide free throw shooting and why that's an absolutely crucial improvement for the Knicks. Maybe could have won them more games than you would think. And then we're getting into maybe the single most interesting topic of the three parts of this podcast, Cam Reddish and his ability to finish at the rack, how that could transform his career and and turn him into uh, someone who makes a lot more money than he currently would. But first, if you want to make some money, let's talk bet online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. And boy, Alex, I was on the Bet Online website today, and there were some odds that I just felt really, really good about. Gonzaga is a 23-point favorite over Georgia State. Uh, I'm, I'm rolling with the Bulldogs there. And uh, if you're a Knicks fan, you might as well check that game out for Chet Holbrook because uh, you never know. Even with the team doing a little better, maybe maybe they'll uh, move up a little bit. And then I like I like North Carolina over Marquette. I, I think that team has hit its stride a little bit. North Carolina is a three-point favorite in that game. But from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline has is your continued source for all your sport wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. While we're talking about shooting, I'll present my last one real quick, which isn't really, I mean, this is sort of more open-ended and I don't even know if this needs discussion because I think everybody would just be like, of course, but I feel like it had to be said. Uh, Team free throws. It's not an individual skill. It's a team skill, but I'm putting it anyway because every single individual on the team needs to work on it save for maybe like quickly and reddish. Um, the Knicks this year have been 25th in the NBA at 74.7% from the free throw line as a team. That honestly seems high, but it's probably a little bit buoyed by some of those those better guys on the team. Um, they currently have a, a margin of minus 1.1 points per game, meaning, you know, in, in 
their average of all their scores for the year. They're, they're usually losing by 1.1 point. Uh, that's 20th in the NBA. As of right now, that places them right between the Clippers, who are at a minus 0.7 and are sitting at 36 and 34, and the Pelicans, who are a minus 1.7 that are 28 and 40, which is the same as the Knicks are right now. Uh, the Knicks have lost six games by one possession, and those could have potentially swung the other way if not if they made more of their free throws. There are many in particular where we we go back and say, hey, they lost by two and they missed 10 free throws. How different could this game have been had they just made the the opportunities at the line? Uh, and even, you know, if they get those extra six games, that puts them at 34 and 34 and 34, I think. I mean, that puts them almost to 500. So, you know, it's it, it could make a huge difference for them. Uh, I just ran like quick basic math. And if they were making 78% of their free throws this year, instead of 74.7%, that would mean they would make 53 more free throws, uh, which would give them 0.78 more points per game. And that would make their average margin uh, just minus 0.3, which would put them in the company of Atlanta at plus 0.7, Charlotte at minus 0.3, and Brooklyn at minus 0.4. Those are all play-in teams. Obviously, Brooklyn has had some extenuating circumstances that have led to them being in that category. But something as simple as taking some more practice free throws could potentially have altered this next season to you know, the point of putting them in that playoff conversation solidly uh, rather than where they're at now, which is five games out of the play-in with uh, whatever, like 14 games left, which is probably unattainable. Uh, so it could have totally changed the course of this season. Maybe could change the course of next season too, if they're able to sort that out. Um, but Prez, you're a, you're a shot guy. You like, you like shots. Is there a, uh, uh, <laughs> is there like a, a, a thing that you could uh, offer to these guys to uh, have them, you know, shoot better at the free throw line? I don't think there's anything that applies across the <laughs> roster. Dudes yeah. just got to, you have the dudes missing aren't even bad shooters normally. Mm-hmm. That's the most annoying part of the game. It'll be like a three-point game, and Alec Burks will be like four of eight from the line for no reason. And obviously, Julius Julius has his – even last year when he was shooting well, he, he was not a good free throw shooter in the fourth quarter because it's all mental for him. So uh, that remains the same this year, except it's not just the fourth quarter because he lost confidence um, in his shot. At the top, when we were talking about Julius shooting – um, we mentioned, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about his percentages, but we saw, you know, how more than makes or misses, we spent how many tweets talking about him just passing up shots, right? Like it's the confidence. So uh, need guys to get out of their heads and also refine the the craft, right? Like guys like RJ making them when they're supposed to miss them, missing them when they're supposed to make them. There's a lot, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Yeah, I know. I think it's, I think it's a great point. All right. I wanted to, I wanted to throw it over to Benji because uh, Benji's last one, uh, spoilers on Cam Reddish. And I'm kind of surprised he, he didn't come up for, for anyone else. So I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't have a Cam Reddish one because to me, like he, he's sort of like the ultimate guy that we're trying to get at in this type of question, because like super high ceiling, but there are all these, all these different like little areas. Like if he just gets 10% better here, 20% better here, he goes from being like a eight, $9 million year guy to like a $20 million year guy. So Benji, uh, I'll throw that to you. What, what is the skill that Cam Reddish most needs to improve? Um, I chose finishing at the rim 
though you could go a whole lot of directions with Cam Reddish because he's uh, one of these guys who like is theoretically good at everything, but isn't good at anything. Um, so other than maybe quarter threes this year, which he's been solid at, uh, and, and deflections, he is good at getting deflections. Although the whole defensive package kind of comes and goes, but, um, I think with that kind of body and he has, although I wouldn't say he's an explosive athlete, I would say he's a very good athlete. Um, he's, you know, he doesn't finish well enough at the rim. I mean, he, he's shooting 53% at the rim this year. Uh, he shot 57% last year. Um, like it, with him, it's, he has this very strange tendency to um, not elevate at all, even though he can. So like, it's almost like when you watch layup lines uh, and like guys are doing like these like smooth jelly layups, if, if you know what I'm talking about, where like they're trying to like smooth it and like spin it off without elevating to look cool. But like Cam does it in real life. And like he, he, he tries to finish and all these, like he, he's trying to look as smooth as possible all the time. And it's like, sometimes man, you just kind of jump into someone and finish or like try to dunk on somebody. Um, and I think that kind of is holding him back from like actually being a plus finisher at the rim and with his size and uh, his ability, I just think he needs to be better. Uh, the shot seems to be developing, certainly from the corners. Um, the movement threes still don't look very good to me, um, but okay, one step at a time. Uh, he's shown some passing chops. I, he hasn't gotten much opportunity to run pick and roll with the Knicks, um, but when he does, I think it. I think there's potential there, and I, I like the idea of it. Um, but like other Knicks that we've talked about, like, yeah, they got to be able to convert on these opportunities. And it's not like, um, you know, in Atlanta, he, it wasn't nearly as bad a spacing situation as it is in New York. Like he had space to operate. He just didn't finish. So, uh, I would like to see him improve next year on that, assuming he's with the Knicks and getting minutes, which I hope he does. All right, guys, we are going to wrap up this three-part podcast extravaganza Talking about Obi Toppin's shooting, uh, why that is maybe the longest held improvement I've wanted for a Nick, and also one of the most important. But first, an easy way you can improve your day every day is by incorporating Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product I literally use, yeah, as I just said, every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I was just looking for a way to uh, to get my daily greens in in an easy fashion, right? Like it's I'm 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 a vegan, but it's still it's hard for me to eat like a full thing of kale or like a ton of spinach every day. For people who are more carnivorously inclined, like I imagine that it's particularly tough. And Athletic Greens just makes that a little bit easier. It also it also leaves me feeling great. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Uh, all the things that you need to feel good. Uh, I tend to use Athletic Greens right before I work out. It gives me a little bit of a boost. I feel relaxed. I feel energized. Uh, just a fantastic feeling going into a workout. Uh, and, and tons of people will take some kind of multivitamin every day to get these same nutrients. It's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is essentially a small microhab with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take care of yourself. And Athletic Greens was created when the founder of, 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 the, of the product experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up with a complicated supplements routine to recover. It cost about $100 a day. Create Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to optimize nutrition on your own. 
Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one a, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with their first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. And after you've gotten your nutrition from Athletic Greens, you could definitely make sure to get some protein from Built Bars because today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. And, you know, you guys know the drill already. I talk about these things practically every day. Built Bars taste fantastic and they're going to give you the protein that you need to recover from your workouts without all the fillers and, and garbage that you get from so many other protein bars and while tasting so good that you could mistake it for a candy bar there's really nothing like built bars in the protein bar space i say this as someone who has consumed a lot of protein bars in his time and a lot that i really had to choke down before i discovered built bars uh, and if you haven't tried them yet you should definitely try built bar puffs they are fantastic. They're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy and marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered, as all Bilt Bars are, in 100% real chocolate. There's so many good flavors, too, like cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, and banana cream pie. They're going to be some of your new favorites. And the, the texture is just out of this world. It's like you feel so guilty, like you're eating a chocolate-covered marshmallow. But in reality, it's not going to fill you with tons of extra calories and sugar and everything else because Built Bars have just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. But most Built Bars have a whopping 17 grams of protein on board to help you recover after your workouts. So if you want to get some Built Bars for yourself, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Yeah, I mean, Prez, to Benji's point... How much of that in Cam's game do you think is a is a choice thing? Because he's a guy who's made it like abundantly clear he sees himself as as a future star, right? And I think to him, a, a big part of that is like having this like elite mid range package and like quick quick trigger three pointer. And we see, I think, the worst shots of his game. Like, and maybe I'm completely off on this, but to me, like, almost come from ego. And I, I think Benji, to your point, that that's sort of what he's trying to do with the Lance. Right? Like, he's trying to look like a superstar out there, but on some level. He's six foot eight. He's really long. He's super smooth. Like some some of the times he split double teams. Like I have, I have to do I have to do a double take because I'm like, oh wow, like I, there's no one else in the Knicks who could do that. R.J. Barrett for all the athletic gifts he has, like he he can't do it the same way that Cam does. Um, so Prez, do you think some of that is just him like deciding to give some of that up for the sake of efficiency, or or is it more so of like a skill development where he just genuinely hasn't really ever had to figure that out given that in high school and college finish and he could look good and like it, it would work well yes and no um his true shooting percentage with the knicks is 58 and it's mostly because he's stopped taking mid-range shots like this is not that complicated he's even if he's kind of you know, he <laughs> eventually joked on Twitter that like he may or may not be able to jump over a shoebox, but like <laughs> he he's still six foot eight with long arms. Like he's gonna run into some easy layups. It's just what happens when when you get to the rim like he does, which he does pretty well. 
and you're that big and we know he can shoot catch and shoot three pointers and i'm pre i haven't checked the the numbers but i'm pretty sure his ratio of catch and shoot threes to pull up threes is is up uh in new york compared yeah. to atlanta so um you know if if he can improve his finishing with the way he can get to the rim because he has solid handle um he loses it a little bit but his most he has he definitely has moves at least and he's so big that like one dribble move and he can get there with that alone. Like I, I have a question for you all. Cause one thing that has, I, I I've thought about and I don't know how to, I don't know the answer. He, he needs to get stronger, right. To, to handle a lot of this and to get more explosive. I don't know how much of that. Usually, you know, guys come into the league very skinny and that's the low-hanging fruit. But he wasn't like a BJ. He was very skinny, but he wasn't like a BJ Boston, like rail, rail thin, like a bamboo reed or something. So I feel like physically he's kind of been mostly the same, but I also didn't pay that much attention to him in Atlanta. So can, can can we get him in better shape? And maybe that's the way to go about it. I don't know. I actually, I mean, I personally don't feel like he has to get that much bigger. You know, you can get, I think you can get stronger without getting, like, I think he could show strength improvements, but, yeah, you know, it won't really show, you know what I mean? Like, like it won't, he won't become like super brolic and look like a, like a lengthy Desmond Bain or something, um, you know, but he'll, he'll still be like strong, you know, we see like guys like Durant and whatever, like they are able to do enough you know, on the mm. inside, despite still being functionally, you know, thin. Um, I, I think that's sort of Radish's destiny. If I was going to physically project him, like, because I, I, I don't really think that he has, I, I think that he actually does a really good job of drawing fouls right now and finding mm. contact and working through it. Um, you know, I think he just needs to get better maybe at the craft, you know, more so of like, and maybe some of that comes with strength. So work, you know, shoulder exercises and stuff like that to try to be able to really, you know, rip your arms underneath while you're still getting fouled and still get that reverse layup or whatever. Uh, and just control of the ball, you know, to make it more of a, a scoring attempt rather than an attempt with the intent of getting fouled. But I, I don't think he has to add too much in the strength department, to be honest, at least that's my assessment. Like Gavin and Benji, if you guys want to like briefly comment on that, but I, I think he mostly just has to work on his craft. Like, I think that's going to be the biggest thing for Reddish going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think continuing to add like lower body explosiveness is, is big because he's, I think he's naturally good at that. And maybe that hasn't been a focus for him because of it. Like, I'm just, just thinking of like the way he like, he's able to squeeze through gaps. Like, like to me that that's almost like the most intriguing part of his game right now. And if he can even add a little bit more juice there, uh, that would, that'd be really exciting. Um, I'll, I'll quickly get into into my last one, which I think is the is the final one for all of us, unless I'm, unless I'm missing somebody. Um, and that is uh, maybe maybe the most low low hanging fruit out of all these because it's it's sort of the improvement that uh, Benji. I think we were talking about this when you were on the podcast like a year and a half ago, and it's still obviously very much a theme. And that is Obi Toppin's shooting. He is at 24 percent this year. He's coming off a game against the Brooklyn Nets where he hit two threes and looked pretty good. But I just think this one is um this one is so simple, right? Because it's it's sort of like who is he going to be as an NBA player? I heard um. Tom Piccolo on the on the Knicks Film School podcast, and he kind of threw out uh, 
Montrezl Harrell is like the ceiling for OB, like if he doesn't develop a jumper. And, and even someone like Montrezl Harrell, that's going to take OB like bulking up a bit more and like developing like a lot more strength and like a lot more ferocity around the rim. And even that guy like consistently gets played off the court in the playoffs. And like, I just, I don't really see the future for OB on the Knicks unless they add a lot more talent. Like if that jumper doesn't come around because I just, I just think there's, there's a very definitive cap on his game. And, and that sucks to say, because obviously there's some, there's some amazing stuff there, right? Like, like not only in transition, but we've seen this year, like his ability, like when he does get a step, like whether it's off, like his, his quintessential uh, fake dribble handoff move or like, or on a short roll or something like he's added, like it's not, it's not breaking someone down off the dribble, but like one or two dribble moves and, and little ball fakes, like where he can fool a guy. And I guess my question is like, all right, do we not see a lot of that because he barely plays or because that, that's like, there's only so much there at this point, but Benji, um, I know, I know you're an OB enthusiast. Um, what, 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 what is your take on his whole situation in terms of a shot and just how much of that he needs to expand to ultimately be like a, a tenured NBA player? Yeah, I said it on, uh, on Macri's pod. Um, last time I was on there, like I, I, he's, I don't think he's a starter. Like, I don't think he's a starting player unless he makes threes. Like, you have to show me the player at well, his size and his defensive limitations. Um, even though he's a very good kind of pick-and-roll offensive player, a finisher, um, but he's not, He's not. Uh, you know, I don't know. What's the example? Uh, he's not, like, massive enough as a pick and roll finisher where like that's going to be like enough of a skill to like override all the other limitations and the fact you're going to have to build a, a team around him that makes sense that could be a good starting NBA lineup you'd have to have a, a stretch five who can protect the rim you'd have to have really good guard play that can kind of allow him to flourish it's just it doesn't, doesn't I don't think that really I don't think that really exists to, to your point or, earlier it's asking a question you shouldn't have to ask yeah right exactly like it's not right so He's a he's a bench spark, which is what he basically is now with the Knicks when things are going well. Um, if he doesn't develop that shot, to me, um, and he's been it's a smallish sample size because it doesn't take a ton of them. But I tweeted it out a few weeks ago. I think during the All Star break, I tweeted out that if you look at like all players in the NBA who have taken ninety or more three point attempts, he's dead last in in accuracy. Now I haven't updated that. Maybe since he made two last night, it's changed, but. Um, you gotta live with that reality. Like it is what it is right now. Like it's bad. And um, there's hope. He's a pretty good free throw shooter. The stroke still looks okay, but some of the misses are so bad that it scares the hell out of you. Um, and that's been true for two years now, where he like airballs quarter threes, and even he made a couple against the Nets, and then he hit one off the side of the backboard. <laughs> so uh, it's tricky. Like I really like Obi. I think he brings a lot to the table. Um, I think his defense, his rebounding, has surprised two years in. Um, but still like those, that was never going to be the, his game, right? It's going to be an offensive first player. And in, I think he's capped unless he can make you respect him from three and then attack closeouts a little bit. He's pretty good at that when he gets the chance, but no one's running him off the line right now, you know? So that's kind of where I think we're at. Prez, do you have anything to add on that before we, uh, wrap this little show up here? Nah, just that I need I need Obi to shoot well next year, specifically for my uh, prognostication purposes, because I told everybody he would shoot well, and he's been awful. So uh, I'd really appreciate it if he shoots well, and if he shoots decently, I really think he's a mediocre three point three pointer away from being a pretty ridiculous 
rotation scorer, like starter or not, I don't know. But like, if you have to respect him, we, we already saw, ironically, earlier in his career when when teams didn't like pay attention to him, but they kind of assumed he was passable at three. He could remember all those baseline plays he would make both with the ball and without the ball. Like those just went up in smoke. We haven't seen one of those in like months. And yeah, because uh, they're just loading up off of him. They just totally ignore him now. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he's so good around the rim that if he can just be a little bit of a threat, provide some spacing to his teammates and it opens up the game for them. It opens up the game for him. And all of a sudden you're talking to somebody who's, I haven't checked his points per a hundred possessions right now, but I think it's in the twenties. And once you get up to like 30, you're talking John Collins territory and he could be boring at everything else and still somebody will pay up for that. Maybe it's the Knicks. Maybe it's not. So hopefully he, uh, he puts in that work in the off season. Cause yeah, his form doesn't look bad, but those misses are just <laughs> every which way, like well, over the because, rim. Uh, oh, just to throw this out there, some of his forms don't look bad. He's constantly changing it, so it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint sometimes. You know, the, the Knicks have that thing that a lot of teams have in their um in their training facilities that tracks uh the arc of the shot and all that stuff. I know he's like busting all the algorithms and all the formulas. <laughs> no, it probably, it probably looks like a Picasso, like the spray yeah, chart. It's like on the lie shots. detector test when it gets all yeah, yeah. <laughs> All types all right. of arts. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think I think that is a fantastic note to wrap uh, wrap this up on. If the Knicks if the Knicks aren't cowards, they'll release the Obi Toppin uh, spray spray shot chart <laughs> art at some point. Uh, but for for my co-host Alex Wolf and and a big big thank you to both of you, Benji and Prez, uh, for sitting with us for over an hour and twenty minutes and, and making uh, two different podcasts out of like a single tweet. I really really appreciate both of you guys uh, for doing that. Real quick, one more joke that I just thought. You, yeah. you know you know what it would look like if they released it. You know, yeah. in the home run derby when they show the paths of all the yeah. different <laughs> home runs, <laughs> that's what it would look like. The spray chart, right? The right. spray chart. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right, well, real quick, guys, do you yeah. want to, uh, Prez, do you want to let everybody know where to find you online and, and then Benji right after before we get going here? At underscore Presidente on Twitter is Marsh Madness. So Strickland, uh, including me, will be dropping a lot of goodness for your consumption. And Benji? Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I am at Benji. He was thinking about the art. <laughs> I was yeah, I was still thinking about Obi's <laughs> uh, at the Riddles NBA. I am uh, I put stuff out on the Knicks Film School uh, feed, some threads here and there after every couple or three games or so. Hopefully, going to have one on IQ coming out uh, either to, tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, and right for the Strickland. Uh, hopefully, have some good stuff in the works coming out uh, at some point soon. I always like to do that. And uh, otherwise, I'm just tweeting stuff out all the time. If you want a clip of uh, Julius Randle spacing out, I send one out after every game at least. So there you go. <laughs> there you uh, go. Yeah, those are, those are always, those always uh, put my blood pressure up a little bit. So thanks, Benji. All right, on that happy note, uh, for uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. This is Locked on Knicks. Uh, please subscribe uh, wherever you get podcasts. Throw us a subscription, a like, a comment on YouTube. It all helps a whole lot. But until next time, be good. Peace out.